Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. I'm the best at getting scammed. The best. That's what Spencer Hawes, uh, a guy, uh, said about his year in 2018. See, in 2018, he got scammed three times. Let me tell you about him. Uh, the first one happened, uh, he is a blogger and he writes articles and stuff, and uh, this was like a long con. Four years prior, so in 2014, a, a reader of his blog uh, reached out to him and said, hey, I uh, do YouTube channels, and I've got this YouTube channel that I'm actually going to sell because I've grown it up, uh, and I, I wanted to talk to you, see if you wanted to buy it. And so he, he sat with him and, and heard his, his uh, presentation about it, didn't decide to buy it. But uh, four years later, the same guy, the same YouTube guru came up to him and said, hey, uh, I got another YouTube channel that I grew and I'd love to talk to you about it and see if you would like to buy it. And so he did the same thing, but didn't want to buy it. But he did want to get into YouTube to expand his business on there. And uh, so he decided uh, that this guru, he offered him coaching. So he was like, yes, I would love to have you coach me on how to grow a YouTube channel so he paid him $2,500 now here's the problem uh, as time went on so about a month goes by and as the weeks go by uh, the availability of the YouTube guru uh, dwindles to the point where they have ceased contact and so he lost out on $2,500 from a YouTube guru the second one happened uh, because of some socks yes uh, so he has a business where he will work with uh, manufacturers, he's the middleman, uh, and he will talk to manufacturers in different countries, he'll have uh, products shipped to Amazon, and Amazon sells it for him, and ships it out, and all that. And so he had an idea for some custom socks. So he contacted a manufacturer in China, and was like, hey, this is my idea, and this is what I want to do, send him the specs, and all that stuff, and uh, at some point in the conversation, the person he was speaking to uh, was no longer at the at the company. It was some kind of hacker or something. And so he ended up spending $3,500 for um, some socks, never got any socks, and lost out on $3,500 over some socks. He's having a good year, right? Uh, the last one was uh, a Craigslist scam. Uh, so you know Craigslist, it has like a free section. Uh, you know, when you get like a, some new furniture, you got to get rid of the furniture. And uh, so, you know, sometimes you like try and pawn it off on someone or, or the church or, you know, none of you do that. I'm just kidding, uh, kind of. Uh, and so you, you're like, hey, let me give this away. And so he put it on Craigslist and, and he was and his family were getting ready to, to leave the house to go to church on a Sunday. And these people showed up and was like, hey, we'd like to get the couch and the chair that you are giving away. And so because they were in a hurry, they wanted to get to church, they, they had the couch and the chair outside already, so they, they left. And um, as they're driving to the church, uh, Spencer's wife was like, hey, I don't, I don't feel great about the whole vibe. We just left these people unsupervised at our house, picking stuff up in our yard. Um, and so she ended up dropping all, all, like Spencer and the kids off at church and went back. And when she got back, she realized that the people not only took the couch, but they took their whole basketball hoop uh, and everything else that was outside in the lawn, but they left the chair. <laughs> uh, have you ever been scammed? No one wants to admit it. Did anybody try to ever scam you? Maybe you got a phone call. Uh, your car's warranty, extended warranty is about to expire. 
And you're like, my car's 30 years old. Like, you ain't got no extended warranty on that bad boy. Uh, anybody? No? No? You guys, you guys awake? Hi. How are you? I know I didn't say greetings to you. Uh, and so you guys ever got an email from a Nigerian prince? Yeah. Because you're like their long lost relative or you, you know, you have some inheritance that he wants to give you. And so they try to give you some money and then you got to give it back and all this whole thing. Or maybe somebody's tried to sell you something that they said was legit, but it actually was fake and, and maybe you fell for it, maybe you didn't. But uh, regardless of if you've, you've ever fallen for a scam of someone else trying to scam you, I am 99.99% sure that all of us have fallen for a scam at one time or another, probably a lot of times in our lives. But it's not from someone else scamming us, it's from ourselves scamming ourselves. Have you ever been scammed? The answer is yes. At least that's according to James and what we're going to look at today. So here's the thing. What we're going to look at today, the sermon title is how to scam yourself. It's super exciting. But if you know how to scam yourself, you also know what? How to not scam yourself. So that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to dig right in. James chapter 1, verse 19 uh, and again, guys, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and bring it. It's good to look at it. James 1, 19, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let me read verse 19 again. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, Would anyone like to say, yeah, I like that idea. That's a good idea. Anybody? Good idea? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. We endorse that message. This message is brought to you by the people who endorse this message, us. But how many of us do that? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. You know, uh, quick to listen, James is, in this moment, right, we've been talking about suffering, it's been super pumped, and that's why why probably like some of you guys are melancholy, you're just like, oh, we gotta talk about suffering again. He's zooming out from suffering, guys, okay? It's okay. Uh, And so he's gonna start speaking about something that's so important for us when we're suffering and when we're not suffering. And so he's gonna zoom out for us, and he's giving us this truth that, hey, it's better if we ask more questions, It's better if we try to seek to understand. Y'all, we live in a culture right now where everyone has a platform and a lot of us use it. Whether we're spouting off on social media or something else and we've got an opinion and we want to share it. Why? Because uh, Facebook asks asks us, what's on your mind? We're like, well, this is what's on my mind. And so I just got to share it. We have all these things that we can go to, not only just other people around us, and we share our opinions. And we are speaking. Whatever the thing comes into our mind, we just go through it. And what we oftentimes do, because we live in a divided world, is instead of being quick to listen and trying to listen to understand, we listen to respond. Husbands, we don't do this. I know, it's fine. Uh, But we listen to simply respond. We don't listen to understand. And then we just create these caricatures of other people and their perspectives. And then we get angry, right? Because we start to realize that they... Don't see things the way we do. Or at least that's what we think. And so quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Have you ever noticed that when you get angry, it oftentimes comes out in words? Have you ever been in a moment 
where everything was good, and because of some words someone said, it went from good to bad, or maybe it went from bad to worse. Anybody been there? See, words are weighty. I've been going to the gym and trying to like do that stuff, and uh, you see, a 45-pound plate, if I drop that on my foot, y'all, it hurts. I haven't done that yet, and so hopefully like I just won't do that. But if you did, it would hurt. And James is trying to say, hey, use your words wisely because they have some weight to them. Your words can hurt, and you probably have been hurt by some words. And so be slow to speak and slow to get angry. Um, I, um, I think this is a good idea, too. But I'm terrible at it. Y'all realize I talk a lot, right? And the more you talk, the more opportunities you have to put your foot in your mouth, right? And so I have a lot of opportunities. Back at Cincinnati Christian University, where I get, got some Bible training, I know it's crazy that I went to college. I know, they're like, you in, really? Um, and so I was there, and Sarah was there too, and we were in an English class. Uh, clash, uh, class, class, an English class, that's a tongue twister. Uh, and so we were there and we, uh, all of us had to, to write this paper and it was all based on rhetoric. It wasn't really like, uh, we had a peer review group and it wasn't based on like, we weren't reviewing each other's grammar and all that stuff. While that's important, we were reviewing each other's rhetoric, the content of what we were trying to argue. And so they put us into groups of three. And our professor was, for some reason, put me with Sarah and a classmate. So we were in the same group. And y'all, uh, I don't know about you, but I like to share my opinion too. Um, and so like the first part of this group exercise was great because I was able to share my thoughts on their papers and, and all this. And like I had some thoughts, you know, because I have some thoughts and I share my opinion. Like, well, if you did this differently and, you know, maybe you think about that. And uh, But then it came to me where they were going to review my paper, and they shredded it. Just destroyed me. Like, well, I don't see how you went from there to there. It don't make any sense. Actually, like, what, what are you even trying to argue? This is what I got from it. I don't know if that's what you were trying to say. I'm, like, sitting there, and I, I wanted to be quick to listen, y'all. But no, I, I was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated because they weren't seeing eye to eye with what I was saying in this paper. And so instead of being quick to listen... I was quick to listen a little, and then very quickly to speak. And I started arguing with them. I said, you guys are wrong. Like, you guys are wrong. This is exactly, like, look at what I said, and look at what I mean, and this is exactly what I was saying. And for those of you who don't know me super well, uh, I, like, I enjoy debates. Okay? Like, I enjoy the debates of an idea. And I can do that without feeling in my heart any, like, vindictiveness to the other person. Okay? But in this moment, I was kind of angry. But even when I'm not angry, people take my intensity as hostility, and I don't usually mean it that way. So if you ever get in a debate with me, it's because I, I'm enjoying it. Like, this is the way I express love. It's really, really twisted, right? I know. Uh, like, for some of you, most of you probably don't like debates, but some of us in this room probably do like debates, and y'all all that don't like debates think the people who like debates are twisted in the head. It's probably true, but that's just how we are, okay? And so I'm, I'm debating with them and trying to like, but I'm angry at this moment, and so y'all, I don't do this very well. I think I'm with James. Like, that's a good idea, man. That's, I am for that. But it is hard to do it. But this is what he's saying. He says, understand this. You break that word down, flip it. Stand under this truth. Understand this. Stand under this truth. Don't just 
This is not something that is important every now and again. You just put it in your pocket and you might need to pull it out and use it. This is important for everyday life. Every relationship you're in. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. This is something that we have to constantly stand under the truth that this way is better. That satisfying our our frustration with more words is probably not the best choice. But we can choose our words wisely so that we can still love the other person. Now he's not saying don't disagree. Because disagreement, that's that's fine. But it's the way we go about it that's important. Some of us, we we spout off in anger and we break the other person down with our words. And that's not what he's saying. So stand under this truth. This is so important that whenever you are in a relationship, whenever you're having a conversation, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. It's so important. Why? Because anger, this is what he says in verse 20, anger, human anger, does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness, God's will. That's 99.9% of the time true. That usually when we have anger and we express that anger, it hurts more than it helps. Anybody ever been there? Me. And so what he's saying is there's, there's this... Verse 21 is a very violent verse. Like very intense. Very extreme. When he says, therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the word, the implanted word. What he's saying is, you have to look at the sinful patterns and sinful actions that are in your life as something that is disgusting, something that is not good, something that needs to not be a part of you. But a lot of times we get so complacent, so so apathetic, that it's just like, oh, it's just part of me. It's just like, you know, we get to know ourselves, and we're, we're self-aware, but self-awareness, y'all, is only the first step. It's not the extended step of actually growing in our relationship with Jesus. We can be self-aware and still stuck. We can know our Enneagram numbers. We can know our personality, Myers-Briggs. We can know all those things and still be stuck. What James is saying, hey, don't just be aware of the filth that is a part of your life. Don't just be aware of the actions, sinful actions, and sinful patterns that is in your life, but actually focus on ridding yourselves of it. This week, uh, Sarah and I, were we watched the Back to the Future trilogy over the course of the week. Uh, it was her idea, by the way. Hashtag blessed, you know? Um, and so we were watching it, and in, in the first movie, Biff Tannen... Is, is chasing Marty, and uh, he's got a 47 Ford convertible, okay? I think I got that right. And he's chasing uh, Marty, and Marty's on like a skateboard, and the, the scene ends like this. And by the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, whatever. I'm not sorry at all. You should watch it. It'll change your life. Not really, but it'll be great. Um, he, he ends the scene with him crashing Biff Tannen in his 47 Ford convertible, super pretty, black, with white interior, I think, and he crashes into a manure truck, and the manure crashes down all over him, all filling up the car, and it's in his mouth, y'all. Like, I know we're close to lunch, but it's just like, you'll get over it. And it's in his mouth, he spits it out, it's just completely covered in manure. Y'all, if you were Biff Tannen, you would be so motivated to get that stuff off you, right? This is a time of all times to say amen. 
Otherwise, you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. I love that manure stuff. It's great. Uh, it's good for my soil. Not good for me, though. It's not good for your skin. Don't believe that YouTube video, okay? Um, and so he, if you were them, it doesn't matter how bad your knees are. You would get up and run as fast as you can to get to the nearest shower so you can get cleaned off, right? It doesn't matter if you got braces. You would be like Forrest Gump breaking those braces, getting home, running as fast as you possibly can, faster than you ever have in your life. It, because it's disgusting, right? It's like, that's not good. We don't want to be a part of that. We don't have that a part of us. And James is saying, hey, it's when you sin, when you have these sinful patterns and actions in your life, it's like that. It's like being covered in manure. It's not good for you. Rid yourself of it. That word rid is like taking off clothing that is despicable, disgusting, dirty, and nasty. That's what he's saying. And so when we follow Jesus, we have to uh, not only be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, but the, the process to get to that point, we have to recognize that there are things in our lives that have a hold on us. And that we have a hold on to ourselves. And we have to rid ourselves of those we can't just do it passively. We can't just do it uh, like, oh, maybe when I get to it, I'll, I'll address this sin in my life. They're saying this is vital for your survival. And what does he also say? It's not only ridding yourselves of those bad things, but in the same process, you're humbly receiving the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is James' argument. If we don't humbly receive what God is saying, and we don't at the same time rid ourselves of the things that get in the way of our relationship with God, then we're missing it. We will be perpetually the people, the same people that we were before Jesus. We won't make any progress. But what James wants for us, y'all, is to grow in our relationship with him. So again, self-awareness is the first step, but it's not the only step. So the question is, for all of us, and we all have to ask ourselves this, what is holding on to you, and what are you holding on to? What sinful patterns, what sinful actions are you holding on to? What sinful patterns and actions are holding on to you? And have you seen it as serious as you would be if you were covered in manure to try and get rid of it? James is saying it should be that urgent. He goes on in in verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So maybe use Brandon's translation, just use the thesaurus. But be doers of the word and not hearers only scamming yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Verse 22 again says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Friends, we can't forget that the very foundation that has been laid, that has allowed us to not only be hearers of the word, but also to be doers, is based on the fact that Jesus has freed us from sin so that we can live in him. That is fundamentally the truth that we have to cling to because we are not doers of the word on our own strength. We are doers of the word because he's freed us from the bondage of sin. And that's what freedom is. We've been ransomed and rescued because we were once in bondage to sin in the domain of darkness and Jesus has brought us out of that 
taken off of the chains uh, that we were held on to, and he has freed us so that we can not only hear what God says, but also do it. And so it's so important for us to actually spend time looking at what Scripture says, but then also doing it. It'd be like this. Parents, grandparents, you know, aunts, uncles, whatever. You got, you got some kid in your life, you know, you got, maybe you're watching them or they're at home, whatever. Uh, you tell them uh, in the day, you know, you're giving them some freedom to be able to work this out. You give them three chores that day. Hey, I need you to vacuum the carpet, all right? I need you to clean your room. I need you to fold your laundry. Those three things. If you get that done throughout the day, that's great. Maybe get some ice cream, whatever. You know, that's this just what you need to do. This, those three things. All right? Vacuum the carpet, clean your room, and fold the laundry. That's it. So you get that, you get to the end of the day. The day goes great. You, you're, you're just letting them do their thing. Hopefully they did it. You get to the end of the day and you say, hey, Billy or whatever, uh, their name is. You say, hey, did you, did you do what I said? And I say, no, um, but I remember what you said. Uh, I know all the words. You said to, to, to vacuum the carpet, uh, to clean my room, and to fold the laundry. And by the way, I know all the nouns and all the verbs. I parsed it all out. I even know the Greek word for laundry. Y'all realize that's how we treat God sometimes, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember the verse. I remember what you said, God. Uh, did you do it? Uh, <laughs> Oh, what? No, no, I just remembered it. Like, that's the same way that we sometimes operate. Is we hear what he says and we don't do it, and yet in the process we're scamming ourselves to think that we're actually following him. Let's not be like those kids. See, we have a core value here at FCC that we are Christ-centered. That's what we want to be, right? We want to be centered on Jesus. Do you want your life to be centered on Jesus? If so, if yes, then we not only need to know what he says, but we also need to do what he does, right? We are supposed to follow him. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and follow after me. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow after me. And the course step that goes right along with that is to read the Bible. But it doesn't stop there with reading the Bible. It means we actually, like, actually read the Bible and then apply it to our lives. And he goes on. James, James has this illustration. He gives us a sermon illustration of his own. He says, Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. So you go in the, in the bathroom, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror like, Hey... Uh, and, you know, just check yourself out, you know, you got to do the full look down, whatever, and make sure you're looking good, whatever. Uh, so you go in, you look at the mirror, and, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at you, I know who you are. Uh, but then, but then, uh, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Wait, who am I? What am I like? But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. James has given us a picture of what knowing the word and what doing the word actually means in our lives. It's one thing to like look at yourself and like, oh, hey, you know, looking at some scripture, that's fine. And you leave and, and you don't do it and then you, you like forget who you are in Jesus. 
He's saying, you know, he's saying that you will never know who you are or whose you are if you don't look and anchor that perspective to scripture and then actually live it out. Our culture's filled with young people and people who are a little bit young adults, whatever, uh, who are trying to figure out who they are. That is their death, their, that is their ultimate purpose in life to figure out who they are. And people all across this culture, all across this country, all across the Western civilization are telling, hey, the way you find yourself is to look within yourself. The way you become who you are meant to be is to just find out what makes you happy and then go with it. No matter what morality says, no matter what God would say, that is who you are. You need to go and find yourself by looking within yourself. And I'm here to say that scripture says you will never be able to find yourself if you look apart from what God says about you who created you. And you will never know it. You will never be able to figure it out. You will never know who you are and whose you are. How many times, y'all, have we lived life and we have gone through some stuff and we made a mistake and we, we start to condemn ourselves. We start to say, oh, you are worth nothing. You are worthless. You are, you are despicable. How dare you, right? Some of us, we talk to ourselves like that and we are forgetting. We are, we're forgetting that we are made in God's image, fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has brought us from enemies to be his children and that we are beloved by him and that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many times do we forget that? Probably more than we'd like to admit. And what James is saying, the only way you'll be able to know who you are is if you look intently into the perfect law of freedom. Intently. Not just like, oh, let me just check out the verse of the day, you know, woo woo, and then it's like put it in the pocket and go about your day. But look into it like, wow, this is, this is life changing. This perspective, and you take it and you stand under the truth of what God just said to you. And not only that, but you see it as important enough to live it out, to anchor your life to what He says. He's, He's the one who created you. He's got the owner's manual. He's given it to us as a gift. And He's given us freedom. And that's, this is the good news. To look intently into the perfect law of freedom. But you may say, Brandon, Scripture's full of all these rules, all of these restrictions. Are we really free in Jesus? Well, let me just say this. That our Western's view of freedom is flawed. Because we believe freedom is defined as if it's the absence of restrictions. Right? If you are ultimately free, you can do whatever you want. That's what freedom is. In our culture. But let me ask you this. Timothy Keller came up with this illustration. I think it's original to him, but he said it, and so I'm going to share it with you because it's really good. Uh, let's just say, uh, let's, let's use that definition of freedom for a fish. A fish is not ultimately free under this definition because he's confined, or she, to a body of water, right? So if, if the fish wanted to ex- exercise its full freedom, then why don't we t- take that fish, put it on some pavement, and we'll see how it goes. Oh, that, that fish flopping around as free as can be, you know? And then in two minutes, it's dead. Freedom is not the absence of restrictions. Freedom is living in light of the right restrictions. Scripture is full of things, hey, don't do that. Hey, do this. Think this way about yourself. Trust in Jesus because he gives you the strength to be able to live this way. 
See, freedom in Jesus means we adopt and we live by the right restrictions. It is not good for you to not forgive someone. It's not good for that relationship for you to be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to be angry. Right? It's not good for you. It's not good for that relationship. It's not good for you to go around murdering people. Right? Okay, that's another amen moment. It's like, well, there's some sociopaths in this church. You know? <laughs> it's a good thing to not do that. And so he's saying, if we look intently into the perfect law of freedom, the whole counsel of Scripture, and persevere in it, and do it, then we'll be blessed because of it. In verse 26, he goes on, he says this, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue... His religion is useless and he deceives himself. He scams himself. So he comes full circle from verse 19. If anyone thinks he's religious, you follow Jesus, you think you're a follower of Jesus, without controlling your tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Scripture says this also, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in us comes out. And our words have weight. And so James is trying to help us understand that the way we go about growing in what Jesus says, to grow as a follower of Jesus, is to think about what he would say, what he would want us to say before we start saying it. To ask more questions, to be more curious about other people. Why? Because love takes an interest in the other. And so this is, this is really the big, the big picture here. There are two super simple steps to scamming yourself. You guys ready for these? Two super simple steps to scam yourself. Here they are. Hear what God says, and then live as if you didn't hear it. Hear what God says, and then live as if you didn't hear what God said. That's how to scam yourself. You're welcome. But obviously, the uh, converse of that is to actually do what Jesus says. To hear it. And to do it. But as we go about that, I think there are three postures that we need to have. Because if we are all focused on hearing what God says and doing what God says, there's going to be some moments, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you're going to hear what God says, try to do what he says, and you're going to like mess up. Just me, cool. So, three, three postures. The first posture is this, to be grateful. Be grateful. Because if you have followed Jesus for a certain amount of time, a little bit of time... You can be grateful for the fact that God has brought you from where you started to where you are now. Because if you've followed him, if you've surrendered to him, Holy Spirit's indwelling you, then you've had some progress be made. You've experienced that. You are not the same person you used to be. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of being grateful for what God has already done. And then we get in a rut. So be grateful for where God has brought you to. You are not the same person you were two decades ago, two two years ago. You are not the same person. And the second thing is to be content. To be grateful and to be content. Here's what I mean. Be content in who God has created you to be. So often we spend so much time and energy comparing ourselves to other people. They make more than I do. They look better than I do. They've got this. I don't. They've got that. I don't. Man, they have so much more uh, just calmness about them. Oh, they're so much more outgoing than me. They have more friends than me. Whatever. 
We spend so much energy comparing ourselves to other people. And what God would want us to be is to be content in the fact that he's made us in his image, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are his child, that we are beloved by him. Be content not only in that, but what God has done in your life. But then don't stop there. Don't be just grateful and content, but be compelled. Be compelled. To where you are focused on what God has said and you are not going to stop ridding yourself of those sinful patterns and actions, but you are going to continue to humbly receive the implanted word, the gospel of Jesus, so that you can become more like him, so you can follow him more closely and rid yourselves of the things that get in the way of you following him and knowing him to the fullest extent that he would desire for you. We're compelled. We're grateful for what he's done in the past. We're content with what God has done and who we are in the present, and we're compelled to continue following him. Y'all, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You are not at a place where God is done with you yet. You are still breathing. You don't get to a point where you like retire from growing in, the, in your relationship with Jesus. You don't get to a point where you're like, oh, I've totally figured this God thing out. If you agree with God, uh, if, if God agrees with you on everything, then you are not worshiping God, you are worshiping yourself. Have you ever read scripture and have been offended by it? Have you ever read scripture and it's like, oh, that hurts? If not, then you're not reading it right because you're not worshiping the right one, the one who wrote it. So we're compelled to continue to think like he would want us to think, to live like he would want us to live, to follow him and to trust the fact that Jesus has done a work in us. Y'all, life is a, this life is a lifelong journey of stepping and recalibrating. Because you know that you, if you wait to follow Jesus until you figure it all out, you will never move. But, but what Jesus would want us to do is to take some steps. And y'all, and Jesus is going this way, and some of us, we will get this way, all of us. And we gotta like recognize that, be self-aware enough, where we notice our sinful patterns, our sinful tendencies that are getting us away from the path that Jesus would have us on. And he's going down this way. We recalibrate and we refocus on where he's calling us to do. We get rid of the things that are ugly and despicable and disgusting, those sinful patterns, those sinful actions that we're aware of, the things that people bring up to us about us, and then we follow him. It's stepping and recalibrating all in the grace of God. But there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I've got two questions for you, two questions for myself as we close. Number one, what do you need to put off? What do you need to take from your life, rid yourself of? What's a sinful pattern, a sinful action in your life that you need to rip out of your life violently? Not like, oh, let me just, you know, cut it all out with my nice, pretty, pretty... Scissors, it's great. No, you have to rip it out of your life and give it to Jesus. What's one thing? The second question is this. What is something God is telling you to live out that you've been refusing? What is something that God has been calling you to that you've seen it in Scripture? You know it's there. But you've been refusing to do it. I don't know what the answer is for you. But God does. You might too already. So wrestle with those questions. What do you need to put off? And what is something God is telling you to live out that you've been refusing? And I know that as you lean into those questions and you ask God for guidance and wisdom, he'll show you what the answers are. And he'll also show you the path forward. 
by his grace and love. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray and sing to our awesome God. Father, we come to you right now um, as, as people who feel a little worn down. Sometimes, God, we don't know what, how to make sense of the present and it makes us uneasy about the future. God, sometimes we feel like it's just such a daunting task to conform our lives to you. That a lot of times we just distract ourselves and try and do something else to take our mind off of it. But God, would you help us to, to remember that we step in the grace of God. If we follow you, Jesus, we, we have surrendered to you. We get to step in the grace of our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. God, would you remind us of that? Holy Spirit, would you uh, help us to stand under the truth of what James is saying to us in his very confrontational, straightforward kind of way. Help us to never lose sight of your grace. Help us to never lose sight of what Jesus has done for us and who we are in light of what he's done and what he's declared us to be. Jesus, help us to rest in your grace to be grateful for what you've done in the past, to be content with who you've created us to be, who we are in you, and to be compelled to continue following you, to continue growing, to continue laying down the things that are hindering us and hindering others and to grab hold of you. Lord, we're thankful that you saw us when we were lost and you found us. We're thankful that while we were blind, you helped us see. We're grateful, God, for your amazing grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.